Welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor, Publishers Weekly, and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, this week on more to come, I have the great pleasure of talking to Bill Campbell, uh, novelist, uh, publisher, uh, uh, cool dude from the Washington, D.C. area, um, although I don't think that's where you started out. Hey, Bill, thank you so much for being on More to Come. No, thanks for having me. No, I came from, uh, I'm originally from Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh, okay. Well, I, I, we're going to get to that too because I know you've got some projects ahead if you can talk about them, but we'll, we'll, we'll return to that. Um, so look, uh, you're a novelist. Um, I've been reading Coontown, uh, Killing Caper. Uh, you've read, you've written more than that novel too. It's, it's hilarious. Um, uh, turns, uh, black culture inside out. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, every, every trope, every folkloric, um, pathway in the culture, you bend it to your own uses. Um, uh, you've done, you're a science fiction novelist. Um, I first encountered really you and Rosarium, uh, your publishing house, when we did a piece for Publishers Weekly uh, about right. founding it. So, um, look, wh- wh- why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your background, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about some other things too. Well, um, basically, I've always wanted to be a writer. My mom. She used to make industrial films for Westinghouse, wow. you know, buy our nuclear warheads and our circuit breakers kind of stuff. Wow. So one time when I was about nine, she took me out to Hollywood just so I could see the process and then seeing them make these commercials. For some reason, I wanted to be a writer. So I've been wanting to be a writer forever. And um, that's basically around the time I was like 21 or so. Uh, sister introduced me to Octavia Butler and Samuel mm-hmm. R. Delaney, and I just fell in love. I just thought that that was the perfect, the perfect avenue of science fiction uh, that um, to explore all the things I wanted to explore sociologically and politically. Mm. Then, uh, then I discovered Mumbo Jumbo by Ishmael Reed, and yeah. I realized that you could be funny and incisive and still have stuff to say and. I like to think on occasion I can be funny and incisive, so I, I just went for that. Well, you're certainly funny and incisive in uh, Coontown Killing Caper. Um, right. That's KKK, I guess, if people haven't picked up on that. Um, right. Uh, but uh, uh, you didn't start with that, right? You um, uh, you have a, a science fiction novel. I know in our story, you – I mean, obviously – uh, uh, writers of colors, black writers, uh, uh, anybody outside of the so-called mainstream uh, can have a problem with the publishing industry. So um, uh, I know you have a great story about uh, really how you brought your book to the attention of uh, the science fiction community. Well, the first book was Sunshine Patriots, which mm-hmm. I wrote back in 98, I think. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted it. And you fast forward about five years and everybody was, or a bunch of people who liked the book were telling me about print-on-demand and stuff. So I just POD'd the book in 2004, mm-hmm. I think, and did the 20-city tour on a POD book, which was a bit of... Um, a challenge, and That's also cool. 
the funny you did your thing own is tour. That, yeah, 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 I just called up stores yeah. all across the country and arranged a, a tour for myself and then just crashed on friends' couches. Fortunately, I had friends in all those different places. So I, I basically was just like, hey, I'll be in town. Can I crash on your couch? Sure. Um, the funny thing about that book is that it's an anti-war science fiction mm-hmm. novel, and it was 2004, and we'd, uh, we'd already been in Iraq, and people were still thinking that it was like this great military adventure. So it was kind of weird because in some places people were just viewing me as unpatriotic. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I wrote, I ended up writing a book called My Booty Novel, which was just kind of making fun of the whole experience and making fun of myself for coming out with an anti-war science fiction mm-hmm. novel. That got me an agent, but mm-hmm. unfortunately the agent couldn't sell My Booty Novel because it was about blurs in love before the term blurs was like a public thing. This was Interesting, yeah. 2006, 2007. Yeah, black nerds is what you're talking about. Right, black mm-hmm. the, the term, right. yeah. Right. Because, you know, in publishing's I we don't exist. Yeah. Like, no black people grew up in the suburbs. Nobody mm-hmm. has a college education. Mm-hmm. It's just this weird kind of uh, imagined reality that we live in their heads. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. So, so at one point, my agent at the time, because... Uh, um, my agent at the time told me that I wasn't ghetto enough. So that's how Coontown was born. Because I was just looking at the way that black folks are portrayed in America, or globally. Yeah. And then you just look at the stats. And in a lot of ways, like the way that we're portrayed is science fictional in and of itself. Like yeah. it's just full of myth and, and lies and distortions and just a very skewed gaze. Yeah. So. Yeah. For me, Coontown was just basically, oh, this is what you think of us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. So, I mean, it's it's well, it's once again about being uh, funny and incisive. I mean, it it really does kind of uh, take this the, I guess the white gaze or any other kind of gaze that uh, the, the 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 collection of mythologies around black people and puts them to use uh, right. for your own benefit for a change. Well, basically, right. It's 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 the black gaze looking on the white gaze, yeah, and telling telling it about itself, yeah. I mean, that's basically it, right? And it's got a hilarious. So, the protagonist is pretty uh, impressive, impressive as well. Um, uh, Jean V, the uh, former supermodel turned private eye or private dick, as she says, if a woman can actually be that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, it was it was. It's fun a lot of fun to read. Go, go on. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, because sometimes you just have to laugh while you're just being utterly infuriated, right? So that was basically it. It's like it's my derisive laugh, or you yeah. know. Um, so you that, was, black, that was. I can give you it. what ghetto. I can give you ghetto. Well, I can give you what you think that we yes. that we are like, and and it's sort of the idea is is if we if we live the way you say we live, then this is what it looks like. Yeah. So, how ridiculous is is your gaze, yeah. sort of? So, out of that, you know, I was doing, I did a, a whole bunch of. I think I ended up between conventions and talks and craft fairs and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I think I did about 50 events that year. What was that, 2012? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
so in that time, I was meeting because I did things like OnyxCon and Ekbok and stuff, mm-hmm. and so I met like John Jennings at OnyxCon mm-hmm. and you know like Keith Miller and and Chuck Collins and a bunch of folks like that. And I was sitting there going like, "Whoa, this black comics thing is really impressive," but it seems like everybody needs kind of like that third party validation, yeah, to mm-hmm. just kind of move up and. And I guess in my head, maybe the idea of starting a published company was there. I'm not sure. It's hard for me to remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was the thing that I was thinking about was just all these people who are really talented who just don't get that look, you know, Mm -hmm. and that there has to be a way to get them even just a, a, a little bit, just a little further along. Yeah, and I thought that maybe I would try to do that mm-hmm. because somebody has to, and <laughs> since you know nobody takes other people's advice, I was just like, well, if it has to be somebody, maybe it has mm-hmm. to be me. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but well, that seems to be a guiding, maybe. a guiding light in your philosophy. If if nobody else is going to do it, uh, you'll do it. Um, yeah, that seems to be that, that a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like it's sort of like uh sure why not yeah. is like the the road to perdition for me so i think that yeah well i guess it's going to be me is also it gets me into a lot of things that that i probably shouldn't have done but i ended up doing anyway but now i i mentioned i obviously i mentioned you as as a novelist and as a, a publisher but you're you're like a, a dad and a husband yes Yes. Yeah, all uh, of this I is going on at the same time too. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a day job. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and can you tell us about your day job? Uh, yeah, I help produce audio books for the blind. Yeah. For the Library of Congress. Yeah. 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 Not not a yeah. yeah. Not a not a bad <laughs> profession. No, no, um, no, I get to read books all day. Yeah. I get to read not books bad at all. So. Um. Um. So. Um, and one time we actually did one of mine, so that was pretty. Cool. Oh, okay. Well, that's Captain cool. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, well, tell me about your relationship with John Jennings, and then I'd love to know more about the, how, how you went about um, launching Rosarian Publishing. Oh, well, I would say John and I met at OnyxCon. This would have been 2012, mm-hmm. I guess. And, you know, and, and I'm we, saying this now because really, you know, Jennings has become so much of a larger figure along with his uh, well, yes, collaborator, Damian Duffy. I mean, he did the adaptation of Kindred, the uh, Octavia Butler uh, novel. Uh, he's got his own imprint launching pretty soon. Um, but right, some of the Abrams, first Megascope, Megascope. Uh, one of the first. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I knew I knew of John from when he did that uh, anthology or this. That, and you really not quite an anthology. It was a book that looked at independent black cartoonists. And yeah, I knew black him from comic. that. But then, uh, what I really learned about more really about his work was really after, um, you know, I learned about Rosarium and the books that you were publishing through him and the stuff he was doing then. So that, that's just to give our listeners a background on, on, uh, you know, why I'm asking you about John. Okay. Uh, well, as I said, we met at OnyxCon mm-hmm. and as you know, everybody loves John Jennings and, yes. and I was, <laughs> I was not immune. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, and we hooked up on Facebook and stuff, and then um, I decided to do Mothership. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
right? So I asked Ed, Ed, Ed Hall, Ed, Edward Austin Hall, mm-hmm. if if he would be my co-editor because he knows we met each other um, ages ago. Uh, oddly enough, when they, I think it was at Georgia State when they had Octavia Butler, Samuel R. Delaney, Jewel Gomez, and Tanana Reeve do gave a little talk, and Ed and I met then. Wow. And Ed is just, and then we actually had common friends in, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, so we'd run into each other. And I was just like, this brother has this encyclopedic knowledge of the genre, which I don't have. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, we need to do this. And then I was thinking, because people didn't know who we were, and uh, obviously, John is very talented and stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was like, "Hey, John, do you want to do the cover?" Yeah. You know. And, and I just to let our like, listeners cool. know, we're talking about uh, an anthology you published called "Mothership: Tales from Afrofuturism and Beyond." Um, and right. Like a collection right. of what about forty writers? Black 40, science, exactly forty. Forty. 40, 40 black and, sci-fi writers, speculative fiction um, writers. No, the the thing was to that. Uh, the anthology is either you had to be brown yourself mm. or the main character had to be brown. Sure, okay, cool. So, right, right. so it's uh, 40 writers in total, 20 men, 20 women, mm-hmm. uh, which was an accident. And, okay. <laughs> well, and then all the writers except for two are, are brown folks or people uh-huh. of color. Yeah. So right. anyway, during that whole process, because it was really nerve-wracking because mm-hmm. we were just kind of, you know, we were people that we were two guys that nobody knew, and then some really well-known writers in the beginning were said yes, and then we were like, "Oh, this is really real. We have to really <laughs> do this." And just in the need to just you know blow off steam, I would just call up John. Right, <laughs> yo, okay, you like, <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty much, and then you know we had to come up with a name. So he was. He was involved with that. Uh, Rosarium is um, named after my daughter, Rosa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, her name is Rosa Neal. She's named after Rosa Parks and Zora Neale Hurston. And oh. then the company is named after, named after her. And he was in on that, too. And just with that, and then I think around 2013, 2014, we, just because we were both, you know, on that hustle. Yeah. Like we would see each other about every six weeks. Yeah. Like we would be at the same con. So just over that time, our, our relationship developed. We, we have a lot of the same outlooks and philosophies mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of the same viewpoints. Well, I mean, not total 100%. Yeah, but, well, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just really get along. Yeah. Uh, you know? and, and I just so, want to mention to people just, I mean, that the, the, the mothership really has, you know, a, some really wonderful writers in it. I mean, um, that in oh, yeah. case they have not heard about this anthology, I mean, Juno Diaz is in it. Victor Laval. I mean, it's really, um, right. um, N.K. Jemison. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. N.K. Daniel Jim- Jose I mean, Older, Carmen Maria Machado, Robbie Alex and Dean. Um, it so, goes on and on. Because, uh, actually uh, one run writer, uh, Jamie Go, she calls it the mothership Illuminati. Yeah. And you know, they actually sell it at the Smithsonian, at, um, at the African American Museum. No, well they well they should. I mean, and of course it's got an amazing right. cover uh, by John Jennings, uh, right? Yeah. That you can't you know you can't forget once you see it. Um, you know he did that in a day. <laughs> well, uh, he, you know he, he just John kept Jennings. Us, he do he, he just do kept stuff. sending us 
<laughs> right. He just kept sending us like, hey, and being black and white. Well, how's that look? We're like, oh, my goodness. And he's like, hey, here it is in sepia. Like a couple of hours later, we we're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And he's like, oh, here it is, full color. And we're just like, how did you do that? That's, <laughs> yeah, it's magic. No. But yeah, I so mean... from, from there, we just kind of went on, went on you know, uh, he, Damien, and Stacy Robinson, they did uh, Kid Code. Right, right, right. Uh, now, then, they, they call, don't they call themselves uh, uh, Black Kirby? Black Kirby and Tan Lee, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And All Tan right. Lee, and then, yeah, I love it, I love it, yeah. Then we did Pitch Black Rainbow with uh, John's little art book, and mm-hmm. then at some point, I think we were in Atlanta, uh, in fact, I took him to like one of my old bars that I used to hang out when I lived there, and he's just like, let's do Blue Hand Mojo, so I was just like, okay, and now we're doing yes. Box of Bones too, so, cool. you know, yeah, it's, it's um, it's, it's you know, he's one of the founding members of Rosarium, so. Well, without a doubt. Yeah. And then, of course, I think um, I saw you later. I saw you. Uh, now, I since uh, we did that article, I seem to, you know, I, I, I run into you at, at, at conventions and festivals. Right. Um, I don't go to nearly as many as you do. But I do remember seeing you at the Black uh, Comic Book Festival in Harlem, and right. and you really kind of had a, you kind of had your lineup of artists at the time there, as I recall. Um, right. Uh, but tell me a little bit. I mean, and also crowdfunding. Did crowdfunding play uh, a role in the launch of uh, Rosarium, uh, or at least in the funding of Mothership? In Mothership, it did. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that was you know that was a, that was a tough one too because. You know, nobody knew who we were. Right. So it was just this really strange mystery, and it was it was it was really hard because nobody knew who we were. And then here's this book with these names in it, and people are like, "Who are you?" And it, it took it took to like the last minute. It really did, and we got lucky. Uh, uh, Jeff and Ann Vandermeer were like, "How is this thing not funded? You people need yep. to fund this," and and they really um, kicked it off. And, and you know we got really lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and but, you yeah. don't really do crowdfunding anymore. I mean, is it is it is it a uh, is it a we, useful we, tool uh, for small press publishers? I think that every once in a while we come up with a project because we've done we've done like four. Uh huh. Okay. I think I think four. Uh, when we come up with a project that that can pull that off. Then, then we'll do it, which is usually anthologies. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we did that one big general one back in 2016. Um, so which is which that? Was, oh, we just did a hey, Rosarium's trying to get to the next level. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you can you help mm-hmm. us out? Yeah. Um, I think that in in a lot of ways, crowdfunding makes small publishing possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, the system isn't really built for small publishers that much. It so is not. Hmm. So here's a way that you could directly appeal to your audience, and it's a way to get things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do it the, the, the traditional way, I, I obviously it's it's hard. It's damn near impossible yeah. to be to approach publishing as a small publisher and and 
the traditional ways because you know the system's just not built for us. Mm, yeah. In uh, in very fundamental ways. And that's so, everything. Yeah, from... I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish there were a way for us to just directly do that. I mean, I think there are some comic book companies, small publishers, who offer their lines for the year and crowdfund, and I think that that's, that might be more viable than just the traditional route of traditional distribution. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, um, obviously Spike Trotman and Iron Circus kind of built her company around that. Um, she does it less and less. Exceedingly well. Yeah, she's done uh, She's done extraordinarily well. Um, yeah, as, I'm, as, I'm, I'm always impressed. Is using it as a Spike. basis. But she actually has reduced the the amount. I mean, she, 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 she still does it for um, a couple, for like her erotica series. I know she continues right. to do that. But she has kind of morphed into uh, into being a more of a conventional publisher. Um, I know with a, with a attempt not to lose um, the focus of the kinds of things she wants to publish. Um, um, uh, but it's a, it, it, she she kind of runs the company on a different basis now than she did uh, from the early years. But that's one of the things I want to ask you about too. Uh, obviously, about uh, the way comics have been instrumental to. Or your publishing, uh, but just uh, uh, making it in this world of of small press publishing. I mean, you seem to be on the road like constantly. Uh, how, how how many shows do you go to, and how do you organize your life around that? Well, I've been trying to do fewer. Yeah, uh, mainly because you know you only have your kids once, right? <laughs> so yes, you yeah, don't want to yes. miss too much. So I don't actually I think that I think that there's an impression that I'm on the road a lot more than I actually am. Now okay. that's not always <laughs> been true. Okay. That's not always been true. Like there, That's my impression for sure. So but <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And and I think that it's fair. I think that it's fair because for the for a lot of years I was just out there, you know, once every other weekend pretty much. Yeah. And then that's not including if I was if I'd been asked to speak somewhere or something, but I I generally try to limit it to say, like, I think the agreement with my wife is six (laughs) out of town shows a year, unless I'm paid to go. Okay. Um, right. But then I'll do stuff locally just because I can come home. Yeah. Okay. You know, so, and I, and there are a lot of things to do around and locally is, I think it's like a two-hour drive. Either way, I think that's what we decided locally was. So that's what, so that's like, your uh, the radius that you've agreed on for. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> Philly and Richmond. Like I could okay. do those if I wanted to. Okay. Like those those would count as local. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you I know, mean, I understand um, these uh, domestic negotiations. They're, they're important. Um, right. That, but yeah. I think that I think that it's really. Oh, well, as I said, but. The traditional route isn't necessarily built for us. So technically speaking, we're internationally distributed. Pretty much any store around the world can can pick up a Rosarian book and put it in their stores. So anybody can go to their local their local bookstore say and hey can I mm. can you order me bad mothers and they can do that. But And we want let's know, talk I want to talk about bad mothers too, but go on. Right. But uh, independent bookstores don't um, support independent publishers too terribly much. Mm-hmm. 
So there are only a handful of independent bookstores that you will see one of our titles or a lot of independent publishers' titles, period. And that, yeah. there's only a handful around the country. Yeah. Uh, and that's just a, a sad fact. So if you want to be in front of potential or, or you know, your actual customer base, you just have to go out. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to uh, because, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you have your web presences and your newsletters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you just have to be out and about. Do you do you sell most of your titles through Amazon? Oh, everything's on Amazon. As I said, we're available everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I know, yeah. I know it's available there. Yeah. I'm just curious uh, of where you see your sales coming from or can you even – track that, oh yeah. it, it depends on it depends on the library i mean i'm sorry it depends on the title but mm-hmm. you know a lot of our books end up in libraries uh-huh, sure um that that that's a big thing sure, and then sure. online so do you online. do the uh i assume you do the ala meetings or uh have you in the past well i did i've done two alas mm-hmm. so far mm-hmm. uh, i was at the comics roundtable this year mm-hmm so I was in Artist Alley, and then I did it in Chicago a few years ago. This one I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you know, because it was home, too, so I could just roll out of bed. Yeah, that's true. Drive, yeah. Drive oh. down the street. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, but, in fact, that's where but, I saw you on the panel. Um, uh, right. The panel with Spike and with uh, Peggy Burns from DNQ, um, Tom Kaczynski from Uncivilized Books. Uh, yes. The European, yes, yes absolutely. We're on a, a very informative panel, and I think you and Spike um, kind of lit it up a little bit. Well, um, <laughs> diversity is a very interesting topic. It, it, indeed it is. And I will say some so, of our most diverse publishers have very dynamic personalities and get their message out. So that's a plus in your thank favor. You. <laughs> thank you. And I think that, that, um, one's perspective on diversity mm-hmm. it can can be quite different say so like i think us as black publishers of comics had a very different take on diversity and its and its victories and all that stuff mm-hmm. than than our white cohorts who are also on that panel yeah uh, and and that's something i want to <laughs> ask you but i mean I mean, your list is really extraordinary for the range of of artists. Uh, I mean, yes, you you, you have the, the uh, as I think you you put it in multiple places, including in our story, and you do speculative fiction, comics, and a little crime. But the range of of uh, backgrounds, artists, and approaches is really vast. Um, so you right. seem to be able to find these artists, obviously, because uh, maybe they're having problems getting published someplace else. But it's a great range of dynamic creators. Thank you, thank you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really look at diversity as a as a goal or a political statement. I just think of it as as is. Like mm-hmm. that's our sure. world. Mm-hmm. Like there are people. So, and maybe it's because you know I'm a third culture kid. I don't know. You know, um, but I've never. I've never seen a problem with people being of other cultures or things that I don't understand or people having different perspectives because I love stories. Mm -hmm. I've just wanted to absorb them. I just want to know them. So, and of course, you know, being a minority, you're used to looking at stories or whatever outside of your own personal perspective because Mm -hmm. the vast majority is talking about like, Mm 
you know, white people, even white people don't know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, no, there's nobody in my life like this. So it was very easy for me. So I think in some ways, in some ways, as far as assessing talent, it's just easier for me because I was raised in like not necessarily understanding or not necessarily feeling the need to be centered in any given story. And I like the idea of people censoring themselves. Mm. Like I, I always, I've always liked that. So for me with looking for other talent, et cetera, I just look for interesting stories and interesting voices and that's the thing that kind of drives it. And, of course, everybody has their biases, and you just, for me, it's just easy for me to realize I have them and then just kind of go on with that. So, you know, uh, if you have some sort of problem with a story, it could just be you. <laughs> and then that's the thing that you have to recognize, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. It doesn't make it a bad story. Or like, whoa, I really don't agree with that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that's a bad story. It means that you personally have a problem with that, where I think that a lot of times in, you know, since we're talking about publishing in publishing yeah. is that is that a lot of editors and publishers have said, like, I – they don't recognize the rarefied air that they breathe. Yeah. No, that's right? true. So, so they don't recognize that the problem that they're having with the text is their problem. It's not the text itself. And then because they can't necessarily relate, because they don't know a particular group or whatever, and they're uncomfortable with that, that perspective, that means that it must be bad and not universal, whatever that means, and and it can't appeal to other people. Meanwhile, that thing that they don't understand, like there are 30 million people, say, in this country who have that story that they relate to, but they can't see that. Yeah, right? it's unfortunate. Sometimes in, in publishing, certainly in mainstream publishing, uh, 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 uh Editorial ignorance is sort of presumed as somehow, uh, you know, uh, put forth as a, uh, a, a symbol of quality. I mean, the less you know about someone else, it's presumed to be, uh, you know, a badge of, of, of your, um, competence when it's just the opposite. So, um, um, uh, and, and it's even stranger now in a time when supposedly in mainstream publishing, uh, they're supposedly looking for more so-called diverse um, uh, voices, but um, uh, but as you said, I mean, it, 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 for a lot of small press publishers, and certainly for Ros- Rosarium, uh, it's this isn't you know some special effort. You know, uh, having a wide variety of authors seems to be it's what you do. It's kind of what you are. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just we're just it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just <laughs> it. We're just that's just what we are, and I think that that, that that's probably. The thing, right, is that we're, we are it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to kind of figure out how to do it. Um, we don't have to figure it out because, <laughs> like, this is, this is, this represents our lives. Like, these are the people that we hang around and these are the people that we've known and these are the stories that we've heard or want to hear. So it doesn't really, yeah, and I think that in a lot of ways that maybe that's just it. Like, you have to, instead of making it a goal, you just have to be it. Yeah, yeah. But the so, only way that you can be it is to have people who, who have lived it. 
And, <laughs> you know, and, well, so for maybe. sure. And on that point, I, I want to ask you about some of the comics. In particular, uh, a comic that I picked up from you uh, when we were out in Columbus, Hooker Girl and Other True Stories by uh, Marguerite yeah. uh, Dubai. Uh, yeah, if I, yeah. If I said her name correctly. Yeah. Um, now these stories are really wonderful, you know, and I really wasn't familiar yeah. with her. So this is like, once again, I picked up something from Rosarium that, you know, uh, opened my eyes. Um, I tell, tell our listeners a little bit about her. She's Palestinian American. Right, right. A Palestinian Christian American. Mm. And it's just basically about her growing up. And, and for me, one, um, I mean, she's wonderful. Yeah, right. yes. and really, in, really intelligent and really yes. gifted, funny, so, and thoughtful, and the artwork really. I mean, she ha- and she has a range of styles to, uh, that she draws. Seems to draw her stories in, right? And you know, the Palestinian uh, Palestinians. You know, I mean, I've read a, a, a bit about it, so it wasn't coming like, oh, this is totally unknown to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not an expert at anything. It's just really like cursory knowledge. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I guess it was enough of like. So I'm just like, oh yeah, you know. And then just, you know, as I said, I'm a I'm a third culture kid. Like I'm 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 half Jamaican and half African American, and I grew up in a um, ethnically white diverse place. So me too, bro. So, me too. My you know, my dad's Jamaican. My my mother's. You know, black American, bald. You know, I grew up in. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I guess we never talked about that. Yeah, no. My well, actually, my, my my dad actually passed away this year. Um, oh, I'm but, sorry. But um, uh, he was an interesting guy. Uh, he was uh, he was Jamaican. Came to this country in the late fifties. My mother's black American. Yeah, I, and I grew up in DC. Hey. You know, but um, oh, okay. um, um, but yeah, but that's what you you I mean. So many you do have some of these books that do offer this wonderful uh, like. You know, glimpse into the lives of you know our fellow Americans of a different you know of a of a different stripe in some ways. Um, right, and and like for on. me personally, like for her, like so I'm not Palestinian yeah. or anything like that. But I mean, I do understand you know having the immigrant family, and I do understand just being an outsider. Like mm-hmm. I get sure. that. So people, so like it's easy for me to translate like. You know, not the specifics, obviously, but just sort of like I get that sense, right? Yeah. And like the the sense that I'm getting from this is like something that I could I could feel. Yeah, yeah, right. And like here, let's so, share this. Let's share this. <laughs> right. You know. So uh, so so I want to transition could you really quickly because um um I, I want to get a couple more questions in in the time we have. Um, okay. Tell us about bad mothers because this wants this is also. Uh, um, uh, being incisive, being funny, really kind of, uh, uh, opening up the culture and re- revisiting kind of a, of kind of a classic, I think, African American culture. So tell us about Bad Mothers. Well, I think, I think the, the story came, uh, from several different veins, of course, right? Mm-hmm. That all just kind of meshed together. I think one of the ones was, I can't even remember the comic, but it was when the when the different comics were first starting to go like, "Ooh, we need more females," but we're not going to actually have like women creators, right? So yeah, it's like these yeah. guys writing like all this. Stuff. And I remember this one comic. I don't know. It was like some action going on, and like the women were saying like really weird things to each other that I'm just like, "What?" And then I think like for no reason whatsoever. 
they just start getting naked and fondle each other in a jungle. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, dude, um, we got to do better. Than yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, one, women should be writing women characters. I mean, it's fine if a guy does it. That's fine. But if you do, you got to do better than you that. You got to do better than right? that, for sure. And then I think the other thing was was that, um, you know, I'm 49. So then a few years ago, you know, I discovered that I'm an Afrofuturist, which I didn't I didn't know. <laughs> and I think uh, and a lot of us were going through that yeah. when we were, you know, we're in our 40s and we've been writing science fiction and some getting published, some not. And then all of a sudden, like, what, we're Afrofuturists? I had no idea. Yeah, so then know. I was like, well, <laughs> why don't I try to write something just, uh, for futurists, like that would be like a fun idea to purposely write something that's Afrofuturist. And then, I don't know, I'm a big funk fan. I can you know, tell. <laughs> uh, funk, jazz, hip hop, like those are, those are, I can listen to that all day, every day. I listen to other stuff too, because I used to be a music um, critic. But, but, but those are my go tos. And the funny thing about, you know, funk, is that all these different groups have their own different mythologies, right? So yeah, it just kind of... And they're all kind of outer space oriented. Right, and it's all... A lot of it is, and a lot of it is just like, you know, like, our lingo and the way that we talk and just all this... It's like a completely different world. And you listen to this stuff and there's all these different characters in funk music and all this stuff, yeah, so you're just yeah. like, I can just remix it you know, because I'm part of that hip-hop generation, yep. remix it into, like, all these different songs and all these different bands are, are its own world. So I can remix it into this world, and that's what Bad Mothers is. It's just like, I don't know, an Afrofuturist hip-hop remix of funk. Yeah, it's a funky sci-fi space opera concert adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just you know it's sort of like a new black exploitation, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you but know, it's a so... lot of fun, uh, and 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 you learn something. Uh, you learn something too. I mean, it's uh, what's it like? A, it's a, a, a for a, an all women uh, pirate slash band. Uh, they're they're all female band of space pirates. That doubles a James Brown revival. Yes, there you go. Who are you? And that was the other thing. I just really, <laughs> I just like James Brown isn't my favorite artist, but I think he's the greatest artist that America has ever produced. Like he, I think that he's you know, like he, the most influential artist that we ever have, and yet like American culture because down. it's predominantly white. You know, they go, oh, he's just the Godfather of soul. I'm like, nah, he's like he's the all Godfather of James Brown of American music. This kid, yeah. Uh, look, I grew like, up. There's under music the, before the him, and then there's music James after Brown. him. So yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> right. So I just wanted to like say, like, no, we need to celebrate what they did. And what what James Brown did in particular, and what Funk did, and then of course since I'm Jamaican, you know King Tubby and them slide in there real quick. You know, so let me ask you this. So so anyway, it, uh, we, uh, Pete up you reviewed it. Uh, it's uh, so it's a it's a really they fun called book. it Buddy, Bootylicious. They called That's it right, exactly, right, straight yeah. out of the uh, you know term, straight out of the uh, out of the Funk period. So, but yeah, you 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 won't go wrong uh, if you pick up Bad Mothers. 
Uh, well, but look, you. tell me what else, what's coming up for you? Um, I, I know you have some, per, uh, personal projects. I don't know whether you can talk about them or not. Um, if you want to mention about, please do. Or if you want to sure. talk about what's coming out from Rosarium that, that people should, uh, think about. Well, on the, on the personal front, so basically what I'm trying to do is, on uh, because for Rosarium, um, ups and downs and all that stuff that, you know, <laughs> um, that's for other people. Okay. Right? Like that, that's why I started it. Yeah. So I was just like, but I the, wanted to give the people as that many people as I, right. I just wanted to give people as many people as I could, like, you know, that little push up and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, yeah. you know, it's capitalism. Yeah. But I mean, I think that, that a few people have, benefited from what we do and like i'm very proud of that um but also you know it was six years that i didn't write anything so so that's what bad mothers was was just sort of like you know just trying to get over that kind of existential need to write (laughs) and And we should mention that your the artist uh on the book is uh what david bram yeah david bram Mm -hmm. yeah he's absolutely wonderful and then damien duffy is our letterer Mm -hmm. yes we we he he agreed to slum slum it with us. And he just, took it to, the, to the break from John Jennings. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, well, you know, I mean, it was cool because yeah. you know, it's, uh, Bad Mothers is my first comic, so having yeah. Brame and Duffy there to sit there and go like, uh, yeah, that's good, and maybe not that. Yeah, you know, right. was sure. was really helpful. It was like a really good um, mentors on the job kind of thing, and, sure. I, and I think um, I think we did they did they did very well, um, and I love it. But anyway, so. Um, the one, the one side project I've done for uh, for somebody else, it's uh, for PM Press. We sold Bijan Kolobande, who um, did the little black fish and the little red fish for Rosarium. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got together to do this book called uh, "The Day the Clan Came to Town" because I oh, right. this past mm-hmm. yeah this past Easter I found out that the clan had a really huge rally in my hometown in 1924 to teach the immigrants a lesson and of course they were the ones who learned something yeah so, so, well you told me about so, this in clubs and it sounds like a great book we can't wait to can't wait to see it yeah we're gonna have to wait till winter of 2021 but right. it's looking fabulous pm is is a fabulous press and i knew that they weren't going to try to kind of whitewash like yeah what happened and stuff like that. So, so I'm just really excited about that project, and that's just personally. Mm-hmm. And then there are other things that I'm working on that are nowhere near that stage. Okay. So we'll just let that one go. We'll but go. with Rosarium, mm-hmm. uh, Rosarium, <laughs> sorry, um, we've got a bunch of things coming out. We have um, uh, a new book by uh, Barry Ellingson coming out, mm-hmm. a, a fantasy called A Tale of Truths, and then we're bringing over this. Um, We've translated works from this Italian science fiction writer named Clelia Ferris mm-hmm. that we're really excited about. I just sent out blurb requests, and one author um, who's blurbing it was just like, that was amazing. Like, she read it, like, the the same day. She's like, Great. that was amazing. I can't believe you, you know, you found her. Thank you so much. And I was just like, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. And then Trouble the Waters, which is, which is the anthology about, you know, sea creatures and sea lore by mm-hmm. Sheree Renee Thomas, um, Pan Morgan and then Troy Wiggins. So those are the those are the prose sides, the science fiction sides that that are coming out, you know, within the next six months. And then, you know, we have Box of Bones. Oh, cool. right. Which is, yeah. uh, 
John Jennings and Aisha Jama Everett. Uh, okay. I think they just did uh, an interview about it on Bleeding Cool. cool. Like I think that just popped up yesterday. All right. And what's that, uh, you what's know, that, that's when we're likely to see that. Well, you know, we've been releasing the single issues digitally, mm-hmm. and then we're going to do the first five issues as a trade, and then the last five issues as, as a trade. Mm-hmm. Basically, what we're probably going to do in the spring is we're going to have um, uh, a Kickstarter. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> for, okay, for, uh, for our line of comics. Um for for the for the line of comics coming out. Okay, cool. Okay. Well, because uh, you know, not only does it fundraise, but it'll it'll up the visibility of that. Yeah, sure. But you know, Box of Bones is great. It's like this um, looking at uh, African American history through through a horror gaze, which you know makes obvious sense. But yes, um, it's you know, kind what of they're a doing story, is, no matter how you look at it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're they're really uh, put their foot in it, so they're like not holding back. Anything. All right. Great. At all. Great. Okay. I can't <laughs> they wait. They are to definitely see it. telling it how a TI is. Yes. Like, they're okay. Just like, ben. Okay. And then we have a few other things. Uh, Manticore, which is a, a horror comic mm-hmm. uh, by uh, Keith Miller and Ian Gabriel. Mm-hmm. That's finally coming out because we did the digital single issues. And then we have a few other things that, that we're working on. We have this uh, Songs of Silence that will be coming out next year, which is this, this Dutch project, which is absolutely fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly a, a silent comic. And yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of different shorts. Um, from artists from around the world based on different songs. Great. Great. But it's all political mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, I had one thing we absolute... didn't talk about, you, you've actually used some very innovative business practices. I mean, the way you, re- you, the way you release your, the comics is digitally. We, and we didn't really get into that. Uh, I mean, I guess when you're, um, an independent press, you know, you got to think outside the box. Well, you know, it's sort of like lack of money makes you um <laughs> <laughs> makes you really creative. <laughs> and and you know, it's really hard and you know, uh we've had some you know, cuz basically the whole thing is like we're just trying to, you know, live the live for another day. Yeah. Because you are right? the staff. So, of and it's Rosa- worked in Rosario, some ways, right? it hasn't worked in others and you know, we've 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 had some losses of talent and stuff like that, and we've had some gains. And you know, it's just like a really topsy turvy kind of thing. Like the one, the one thing that I'd really like to work on in the next year or so is to just kind of stabilize what's going on, because you know, it's like you'll have this rocky thing, and then you try to stabilize, and something like you know Baker and Taylor saying they're going, you know, yeah, they're going, <laughs> like, right. they're going like all yeah, of a sudden they're... you're like, oh no, not no, no, I thought I had it, you know, yeah. so. So I'm really looking for, I'm trying to figure out ways to just make this a very stable kind of thing because that's like the last thing we have been. Yeah. And it's not the, you know, it's, it's just part of what it is to be small. Yeah. Cause you are the staff. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have somebody who, who does, um, our social media and then I have somebody else who does, you know, tweaks the website. Yeah. But yeah. Basically, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well. so on the staff, I have a day job to yeah. keep it all running and all that stuff. It's yeah, impressive. But, it's impressive. Oh, thanks. It's, well, it's, you know, it's it's something that's. I think that's something that. I don't know how much 
need we have when it comes to culture, but I think that it provides like a small need, you know, yeah. it kind of, it kind of pushes things along in the direction that a lot of us want the culture to yeah. go. Yes. And so we, we're like those little guys going like, eat. <laughs> 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 we like, we pushed it well, up a little. It's know. a key and important contribution, you know, no, no matter the scale. And, uh, you know, I, I learned things from uh, your books and I learned things from you. So, um, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, so look, Bill, look, I want to, I want to thank you. Uh, this is just hopefully to, to give people a little peek into what you've done, uh, your own books, as well as what you've done for other artists. So, uh, look, thank you so much for being on More to Come. And thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and no doubt welcome. I'll see you out there on the road at some point again. 